This is a Rooster Teeth production. February 9th, 2001. The Ahime Maru set out from Honolulu on an educational fishing expedition. A few miles away, the USS Greenville set out from Pearl Harbor on a trip to impress investors. Hours later, the Ahime Maru would lie at the ocean floor, and some of its passengers would never be seen again. I'm Charlotte. I'm Patrick. Ahoy and welcome aboard Ship Hits the Fan, a podcast about some of history's most notable uh-ohs and whoopsies on the high seas. This is a whoopsie. Yeah, another one this where is... whoopsie feels real bad. Well, yeah, but also this one, more than any other, is a, a huge whoopsie. A true whoopsie. Yeah. And uh, at the expense, well, not at the expense, I guess at the hands and fault of um, high-ranking investors and businessmen over uh, the military, over the Navy. But they were also at fault. No, I'm saying it recall. was their fault. I'm, I'm saying it was their fault. No, I know, but it's also the military's fault. It's the military yeah, it's, it's and, all their fault. and CEO's fault. You know what? Ignore it's me. crazy. Don't worry about me. How we're going to get into it. people are at fault? There's a lot of people at fault, none of which are the victims. True. <laughs> yeah, they didn't do it. They did. They are just Anything on not. a boat. They just did what people do. Yeah. And then got a, a sneak attack from the U.S. Navy <laughs> on a peacetime expedition. And one of those rare attacks where it's just... Uh, Sheer force, essentially a battering ram. Yes. Yeah. Well, we'll get into it. From the depths, from below. We'll get into it. You would hope that the occupants of a nuclear submarine control center would be those most capable of operating said controls. And who is more capable than the American CEO? Well, in in this circumstance? One does not find themselves in such a chief executive position through sheer luck. Circumstance or nepotism, no. The executive is one who has lifted themselves by their bootstraps through pure, unfiltered grind set. Yep. They are billionaires because they are smarter than me. Yep. And therefore should be allowed to oversee the operations yep. of a hugely expensive, <laughs> super fast submarine. That's kind of what happened. Woo! Yeah. It's not really what happened, but you know, how, how often do you get a chance it's to clown close. on? It's shockingly close to what happened. They were just over the shoulder of the people overseeing it. And in some cases, in the way. Yes, standing the between people. the operator yes. and the readout. Don't worry, if you're wondering what the hell we're talking about, uh, you can listen to the Should rest of the episode. It? I'm not sure what our listen through rate is, but there are some people that will stop now. Yeah. Well, they got the story. <laughs> I got the scoop. They got the gist. Hang on. I got to. Ooh. That's right, folks. <laughs> we're, drinking, right. we're drinking cans today. <laughs> That's right. We should, we should get that sponsored. Like, cans? Well, welcome to the Citibank <laughs> <Yeah>. Beverage Hour. <laughs> uh, all right. May I? You may. Thank you. You must, I actually. I implore you. The USS Greenville was contracted to the Newport News Shipbuilding and Dry Dock Company in Newport News, Virginia, on December 14, 1988. But her formal construction didn't begin until almost four years later, on February 28, 1992. Being one of the Los Angeles class of submarines... The All New- right. Yep. I live there. <laughs> Hollywood, baby. <laughs> I love the Los Angeles <laughs> class of submarines. <laughs> The nuclear-powered Greenville was built to move fast and attack other underwater vessels. It took two years to build, along with a handful of other submarines in its class, and it was launched on September 17, 1994. So it was approved the year I was born. Yes. And launched the year you were born. That's right. Is this correct? Sitting between us as a submarine's worth of logistics and construction. Yeah. Uh, and guess what? 
What? It was sponsored by Tipper Gore. I knew it. Yeah. <laughs> Whose husband, Al Gore, was vice president at the time and who I believe led the charge on parental advisory labels oh, in the Tipper? US on CDs. Yeah. That's so a- if you were trying to buy an M&M CD back in the day. Right. Uh, and your parents said, no, no, no. And has the parental that's advisory sticker. That's got Tipper's fingerprints all well, over Well, you know, it. she kind of... We kind of, you know, the bad boys kind of got the last laugh because the parental advisory, now a cool thing to have on your record. There's, they don't do that. Do they still do that? Don't they? I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't mean, buy, no CDs, buys CDs. Yeah. Yeah, you just have a little E for explicit I guess, yeah, on the yeah, streaming yeah, yeah. service. And e- that can either mean that like the S word is, is, uh, is in a song word. about like a sad lesbian or it's like a DMX track. <laughs> yeah. Just the most hateful. Yeah. yeah it's not yeah, like yeah. It, the boldness of the E. But does that's not, not why people are here. That's not why people. Well, no well, one's stay here. Tuned no for one is DMX here for show. Okay. <laughs> Incoming. Uh, the Los Angeles class submarines were built from 1972 to 1996. A year neither of us were born. <laughs> Correct. First to serve as fast attack submarines for the Cold War and later for our conflicts in the Gulf as well as in Desert Storm, where they saw little to no action. Presumably because those were desert-based conflicts. Yeah, and you at uh, one point did write in the script, riff on dessert. Yeah, you're an extra <laughs> essence. I mean, like, you want to talk tiramisu, you want to talk yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Maybe a like a tart. A tart, I like a yeah, tart. fruit yeah. tart. Oof, mm. a custard, a nice, nice. custard. This is and good. The glaze over the fruit. The glaze over it is, right? it's so one important. of the most like now aesthetically pleasing. Another half of the audience. <laughs> the food they don't like dessert yeah yeah it's good that we talk about that rather than to a, a submarine podcast to hear about desserts well it's not a submarine podcast and is. also it's better Today to riff on is. desserts than to riff on uh, desert uh dune and the pow- and land power which has come up before on the show when the duke leto atreides says that they need to embrace land power rather than air or sea power yeah <laughs> okay yeah. you like those books as far as i know there were no uh God emperors aboard the submarine. <laughs> These submarine- the maker is not responsible yeah, the, for ta- yeah. today. These submarines, remarkably enough, largely remain in commission to this day. Hmm. With 26 of them still in service, they represent more than half of our Navy's current fast attack submarines, and all of them are named for American towns and cities. Oh. Except for one. Oh. I can't wait to hear about it. Previously, subs have been named after marine animals. Like the, the dugong. The dugong. <laughs> like the USS Seawolf or USS Shark. Awesome. Too broad. You shark. Hammerhead. Yeah. You got to nail it. Yeah, you got to lock in one tiger shark. shark. Uh, that's my opinion. Uh, Hyman G. Rickover, father <laughs> of the nuclear Navy, as he's known. <laughs> yes, his name is Hyman. Changed the naming convention to U.S. cities. When asked why he made the decision to name the boats after cities instead of, feels weird to call it a boat here, but that's fine. Instead of <laughs> fish with creepy teeth, he said, quote, fish don't vote. <laughs> I mean that that's true I mean, yeah it's and, and until that civil yeah. rights issue is handled in this country <laughs> that's going to be the way things it's work at the top of the list uh so the only sub in this class not named after a city was the USS Hyman G Rickover <laughs> really yeah he got that's, one named so, after himself so there's one vote yeah yeah that's interesting he's like listen <laughs> he does, well, he that, that he accounts for me not to. right yeah he's, um, he's committed a felony yeah these subs were built in three distinct flights the first two, 40 ships in total, were labeled as 688 class, while the last flight of 23 were 688 I class. The I class made small improvements and added additional munitions. Of the 34 subs in this class that have since been retired, nearly all were in commission through the early 2000s. One of those was lost to arson? Oh. 
it's all the only detail I have about it. But so if that was the one made of wood. <laughs> right. how, do you, how do you lose a nuclear sub to arson? Oh shoot! <laughs> the seat cushions have oh, all been burned out. <laughs> oh gosh, jeez. Yeah, most were steel. One was balsa. <laughs> Our woolen <laughs> submarine is on fire in the docks. Oiled cotton. <laughs> a handful were retired early because their midlife reactor refueling was canceled. Now you may be asking, what does that mean? So are we. Yeah, I'm not really so, quite sure. Do you have any? Was it canceled because of the woke mind virus? <laughs> yeah, the subs had the woke mind virus. <laughs> what is it? It is 5G in the Tide Pods. Uh-huh. I've lost track of the plot. I don't know. I don't know, but I think I'm sure gas it has something to do with this. We're on board That's with part, it, maybe. Sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they got canceled. Why not? Sure, yeah. <laughs> uh, these subs rely on nuclear energy, which requires replacement as the nuclear material in the reactor reaches its midlife. It's typically combined with a general overall renovation of the ship. This takes two years and is extremely expensive. As a result, the Navy does not always choose to complete the ROH. Oh, refueling and overhaul? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You just knew that. I just, yeah, off the dome. Uh, On these submarines and instead decommissions them and recycles the materials. Hmm. Cheaper to just get rid of it than repair it. Which, honestly, for this show, pretty good. Uh, yeah, you would want to. If new you're ship. actually like taking something out of instead of just like putting a new coat of paint on it and be like back into service. Well, we've seen bad things happen with both repaired and uh, new ships. Both. That's true. I mean, you That's think true. of the Vasa, which is like this is the most incredible jewel of the Swedish Navy. Not a phrase you really hear often, and maybe because <laughs> of its inauspicious beginnings, could be <laughs> like or pretty auspicious actually. Yeah. Yeah. So this is important to understand when we talk about the USS Greenville, as its fateful journey and collision with the Ahime Maru started as a fundraising trip for these kinds of repairs and enhancements. You know things are really good when you need fundraising trips to repair your subs. Such a weird, like... They what's were going. Our, what's they our were military? Going island, what's our military they were budget? Going, I don't know. They were going. It was just the F thirty five. But they could. They were going that island to island with candy bars. Yeah, <laughs> selling magazine subscriptions. The Shriners. <laughs> Good little hat on. Uh, a note on nuclear submarines. Mm. Older nuclear subs have posed a threat in the past. No. A Russian nuclear sub exploded in 1985 in Vladivostok while refueling, which released radiation and killed ten people instantly injuring another 49. So, yeah, I mean, it's a nuclear sub. Uh, this is not, It's not something that uh, is to be taken lightly. Even if there's no missiles on board, you still have, you know, kind of nuclear a Nuclear power, yeah, a reactor. Yeah, yeah. Whether improvements to the 688i and decisions to not refuel and refurbish the older 688s were in response to incidents like this is not clear. But the 688i's were equipped with an instant reactor shutoff in the case of lost electricity. Cool. The goal of this was specifically to prevent reactor explosions during refueling, but also in the case of a disaster at sea. Now, I I don't know much about nuclear power, but I have seen Chernobyl on HBO, and I can only hope that the rods, control rods, are not graphite tipped or graphene. I didn't, I actually don't know. I don't, I I didn't look it up. Because for the briefest second, it heats up. But it's bad. It cools down. It's bad. It's bad. Okay. As part of the 688i flight of Los Angeles-class vessels, the USS Greenville was built to be extremely quiet, with sensors specifically designed for noise reduction. Yeah, and a hand on the front that was like, shh. <laughs> Very delicate yeah. finger it's index. a visual finger. bit. Yeah, it's a visual bit. Well, I tried to add Sam Patrick is just ever so softly laying his index finger afront his lips. 
Additionally, the driving planes, the panels that shift to control the depth of the submarine, were placed on the bow as opposed to the sail. This is unique for two reasons. They were retractable, which was a newer feature, but also it meant that they were considerably lower on the sides of the submarine. This allowed it to dive extremely quickly, but also surface in a matter of seconds. Hold on. Oh, God. Sorry. <laughs> uh, bubbles. Remember that detail. I'm holding it. But the quick... Sur I've held it in my heart. that detail. What? Oh, oh. I thought the you meant your, your gas. We cut that. Oh, did we? <laughs> well, now we didn't, <laughs> because it's relevant and great. Thanks. You're welcome. But I am holding the fins, the retractable right, your, uh, yeah. planes, uh, drive, driving planes in my heart. And how fast they can surface as a result. Yes. That's important. I actually forgot That's about that back. detail and was about to say, can we cut this? No. We can't, actually. It's, very it's important. quite important. Yeah. The Greenville was 362 feet long, 32 feet tall. That's slightly more than two Priuses. Still can't believe it. And 33 feet wide. Slightly more than two Priuses. That's right. The sub slightly more than slightly more than two Priuses. The sub was capable of carrying 6,000 to 7,000 tons. No word on uh, how much that <laughs> how many converts to Priuses. <laughs> Someone We've reached out to us. the Toyota company for comment and we await no their word. response. It came back in Japanese. <laughs> According to the U.S. Department of Defense, the top speed for these submarines is approximately 25 knots. That's about 29 miles per hour. That's really fast. Yeah. However, reportedly, this is just the average cruising speed, and their actual top speed is classified. Now, uh -huh. I just took a wild <laughs> guess based on, you know, and I think <laughs> probably around 600 miles per hour. That's my guess. Just a guess. Just think about that, what that would do to the top of the water. It's just a personal guess. <laughs> It's like it's dropped off of the side of a ship and just. <laughs> I was crunching the numbers in my. Uh, you have a one of those old calculators with a roll of paper. An abacus, or whatever. <laughs> you have an abacus as yeah. well, and you're you're crunching the numbers. Yeah, you have a little about green 600, visor. Yeah, <laughs> you're just blasting cigarettes. <laughs> so like the way where you hold it with your thumb and <laughs> like a joint. Uh, index finger, you know. Some reports list their top speed at 30 to 33 knots or closer to 40 to 43 miles per hour. Okay, I'm so less than with 600. 600. Though, yeah. yeah, well, we don't know. It's classified. Exactly. Yeah. The Navy lists the maximum depth as 650 feet, but again, the limits are classified, with some records indicating that the submarines may be capable of nearly 950 to 1,500 feet. Yeah. Far lower than the normal operating depths of submarines from this period. We have to assume a Toyota Prius could sink to those depths, but mm -hmm. it would probably not be operational anymore. No, no longer airtight or safe for uh, human habitation. Absolutely not. You're going to need at least a Cybertruck. Yeah. And even then, it's just as a boat. It's just a coffin. <laughs> Shaped like one, too. Yeah. The Greenville was also fitted with 12 vertical cannons to launch Tomahawk missiles and carried at least 25 missiles on board the vessel at all times. Yeah, Natch. As for onboard controls, the ships have been updated multiple times over the last 40 years, you would hope. Originally equipped with the Pargo Display and Fire Control System, which runs on a UYK7 computer. Obviously. One of the all-timers. Honestly, it's kind of silly Probably. that we had to even specify. Yeah. People should know that a Pargo Display and Fire Control System, which runs on a UYK7, is what's going to be on a Los Angeles-class submarine. Right, and you may be thinking, whoa, 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 <laughs> UYK7. What's that? I, I just I just got out from the rock I've been living under. You're thinking, what is that? That's only 32 bits. Now, oh, I see what you're doing. Now, yeah. sure, in the 70s, fine, great. Yeah, I mean, high tech. A lot of right? stuff was fine in the 70s, but the 80s, the 90s. <laughs> uh uh, nah. -uh. You need more bits. 
So it was eventually replaced with the MK117 all-digital fire control system. It's still connected with the older computer system, but it allowed for more digital updates in real time. Which is what we were going to call the show, Digital Updates, updates in, in Real Time. time. That's another show that, we have, that we're cooking. <laughs> the newer systems were only installed on the ships built in the later flights, like the Greenville. They were equipped with a combat control system slash digital attack center built by Lockheed Martin, which allowed them to more accurately track the ships around them and also to fire Tomahawk missiles. It's about to be a who's who of American defense contractors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, for those ships that remained in commission past the 90s, they were updated with a new MK2 system built by Raytheon. There it is. Not only did it provide them with more comprehensive missile firing and allow them to target more accurately, it was also designed to digitize and align the multiple systems on the ship to get consistent readings across all bearings. You got all that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, locked okay. in there. In addition to these complex digital firing and navigation systems, the later vessels were also equipped with top-of-the-line sensors and sonar systems, specifically to allow the Greenville to sight and provide precise firing solutions for other quiet, fast vessels. All this to say, a lot of money went into making sure this submarine had the ability to see where other vessels are in the water when used properly. Mm. And they used it properly? They did not. Okay. By comparison, fishing boat Ahimi Maru was no match for the size and power of a giant nuclear attack sub. That's right. Fishing boat. Yeah. Like, literally just a fishing boat. You may have forgotten fishing the, vessel. The, what we talked about at the top of the episode with the brief, you know, synopsis of what happens. You may have gotten lost in the minutiae of missile targeting systems and onboard tomahawks and nuclear power and extremely fast surfacing times for a Los Angeles class submarine uh -huh. and thought to yourself, that's weird. They've been doing a lot of war episodes lately. Yeah. This is not that. No, this is not a <laughs> wartime episode. Not at all. And I mean, it's a fishing vessel to... To be, you know, credit where credit's due. It's a pretty big fishing boat. It, yes. But. But it's a it's for fishing. It's definitely not and And military. not only for fishing, for high school fishing. Yeah. Not yeah. fishing for high schoolers. It's high school. <laughs> no, high schoolers who fish. It's high schoolers who fish. So yeah, she was a fishing and training vessel, which means she carried no munitions or weapons, of, of course, other than I assume some filleting knives. Some night worms. Yeah. At only 100 night crawlers, I'm sorry. Yeah. I apologize. Night worms? What did you say? <laughs> I don't know. They're night, night they're worms, worms that are night crawlers. Uh-huh. Or something night like worms. that. Oh, okay, fine. We should call our fans that night worms. The night worms? That's good. We should get like yeah. hockey jerseys made. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the LA uh, night worms. At only 190 feet long, she was about half the size of the Greenville and weighed just over 700 tons, 10% of the tonnage of the Greenville, and one has to assume not powered by nuclear energy. I would think not. But you never know. <laughs> yeah, you know what? On January 10th, 2001, the Ahime Maru departed from the Iwo Jima Fisheries High School in the Ahime Prefecture. Yes, it is a high school based on fishing. Yes. Uh, we looked it up. At, we uh, thought this was like a typo or some kind of mistake at first. Yeah, it seems like it's kind of a trade school. Yeah, it seems uh, very much like a trade school, yeah. which for an island nation or a nation made up of many islands, it seems pretty apt. Great. A unique feature of the school is its proximity to a dock and port for its own usage. Established in an area known for fishing, the school caters to specific fishing and aquatic careers. Specifically, it has a noted pearl aquaculture program. <laughs> yeah. As well as programs that take place aboard ships so students can learn on the job. The Ahime Maru was on one such journey. The ship had 20 crew members, 13 students, and two teachers. 
It had its own curriculum that included longline tuna fishing, maritime navigation and engineering, and oceanography. It sounds cool. Okay, yeah. I, I would think, love to have gone I don't to think high I school learned see any of those things. No, my, my school did not cover maritime navigation or longline tuna fishing. I got passively good at saxophone. Yeah, I didn't even. I got in a fight in band once. Yeah. Was that the one where you were being a real, really annoying to your friend? No, that was a separate. That was thing. a different that one. Was, okay. Yeah, that was years earlier. <laughs> oh, okay. That was in got study it. hall. Understood. Understood. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think I was being. Probably, yeah. I think I might have. Yeah. You have but, a certain quirk about you. But I won. <laughs> so I won that one. I didn't win the other one. <laughs> <laughs> the plan was to complete a 74 day round trip voyage from Ahime Prefecture to Honolulu, Hawaii, and back. 74 day school trip. I know. That's in, that seems. <laughs> Crazy. Pretty wild. How old are these children? Mm, I don't know. Fifth grade? It's probably fifth grade. Yeah, probably fifth <laughs> you gotta grade be, high school. This must be like your last year in school or something, right? Maybe. You know, I don't know. Two and a half month voyage. <laughs> the ship arrived and docked in Honolulu on February 8th, 2001, without incident, having finished the first half of their voyage. The next day, only a few miles away in Pearl Harbor, Hawaii, the USS Greenville prepped for departure. You know what's silly to me is is I, of course, know about Pearl Harbor as the incident that uh, yeah. spurred the U.S.'s involvement in World War II. But I never it never occurs to me that it keeps operating as a naval base. I'm like, oh, well, I guess yeah. that's just it for Pearl yeah, Harbor. Yeah. And then, like, like of no, course, they, they keep using it. it. Up, yeah. yeah, they fixed it up. Yeah. You know, they, they towed out the broken ships and right. planes. And, and, you know, it's we gotta it's go. still an advantageous. We, we go. have to go. We have to go. We have to make a pilgrimage. The Greenville's journey was very different. If you remember from before, the maintenance and use of these submarines is very expensive and at times controversial. Good. Like anything nuclear, really, I guess. Right? Yeah, nuclear does have a, an admittedly uh, well-earned bad rap. Because when, when it does go wrong, it goes devastatingly yes. wrong. Uh, you know, most of the time it's fine and a, and a great use of, of what I understand to be pretty clean power. Seems, yeah. From, yeah. And I'm a stupid, a lot of radioactive I'm a stupid ways. person, but I've heard yeah, you're stupid, people and I say am that. Too, yeah. But yeah, people say yeah. that. But you're right. You know, when it goes wrong, it does. It goes wrong, but it also blights the earth. Even when it goes well. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. We just have mountains of it buried out yeah. in the desert. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, because of this. <laughs> what are you going to do? The captains of the submarines, along with the U.S. Navy, developed a program called DVE. Now, wait till you hear what this means. Yeah, it's really, this is so stupid. The Distinguished Visitor Embarkation Program. <laughs> the program works like this. The remaining commissioned attack submarines take civilians, members of Congress, journalists, celebrities, kind of anyone rich or influential, on submarine rides to show them all the cool stuff attack subs can do. It's like the it's Blue Origin money. trips. It's yeah. to get donations. <laughs> it's to but get like, donations. I mean, how much can it? How much must it cost just to operate one of these at things? At least two hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah, right? at least two. No, you're right. At least two hundred. I probably would say yeah. upwards of two hundred dollars. But my God, just like the in crew alone. Oh my so, God! You know, seriously, I don't know, think but, about the and the benefits that you get by but, joining but the, the U.S. Benefits. Navy. <laughs> the Greenville completed these tours regularly, considering she rarely saw combat. The sub had transported its initial sponsor, Tipper Gore, a number of times, and more recently, director James Cameron. Oh, okay, that's cool, though. It is cool. Yeah, yeah. We, we, you know, we would that do it all That man's been to Marianas. He has. He's gone deeper Down than any bottom. other director. That's right. And most marine biologists and or geologists. He's been deeper than most people. Waterologists. Than most people. Yeah. Safe to say. Okay. On February 9th, the sub carried 16 distinguished visitors. DVs. Yep. That does come back. Yep. 
eight CEOs from various corporations, six of them traveling with their spouses, and one sports writer and his spouse. The CEOs were in Hawaii for fundraisers to restore the battleship Missouri. Okay. The Navy arranged this trip as an add-on in hopes of securing more funds for their sub-maintenance. An upsell. Yeah, essentially it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the captain of the Greenville, Commander Scott Waddle, <laughs> had captained several of these types of missions in a number of subs and many in the Greenville specifically. However, immediately before departure, the captain was informed that the submarine's AVSDU, or Analog Video Signal Display Unit, was not functioning properly uh -huh. and was in need of repair. This unit consisted of a series of monitors that communicated sonar information to the deck officer. Now, I've listened to our show before. Okay. Did they do the repairs? No. Okay, because see, that's what I thought was going to happen, yeah, no. judging off every no, of single other not. episode of this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, obviously the repairs no, obviously weren't completed. they didn't do of the repairs. Not. No. The captain was given the option to either delay the trip for repairs or proceed without the equipment. <laughs> what do you think? What do you want to... <laughs> if I'm putting money down, yeah. uh, I think that he repaired it. Okay, I'm going to keep reading. Okay. Believing that multiple other pieces of equipment would adequately display the same types of information, the captain decided to proceed with departure without repairs. Oh, shoot, my money. I put down $200, the yeah. amount that is the base for operating a submarine. Uh, at least. At least. The submarine departed Pearl Harbor on schedule at 8 a.m., carrying a crew of 106, the 16 distinguished visitor passengers, and the chief of staff to the submarine commander of the Pacific Navy. It's, <laughs> it's so it's many. Weird title. The, I don't the, know. I don't the know. chief of staff to the submarine commander of the Pacific Navy's brother's wife's rabbi. Exactly. Son. Yeah. Who was a chief of staff. Uh, Godchild. Godchild. <laughs> yeah. As they made their way out into open waters from Pearl Harbor, the captain noted that the weather seemed hazier than normal, but believed the fog would burn off soon. Steering at a mm. big wooden helm? Huh. <laughs> That's weird. It's hazy. Deep haze in the air. They reached their destination off the southern tip of Oahu slightly later than scheduled around 1017 and submerged. The plan was to arrive by 10, serve lunch in two sittings, that's 10.30 to 11.30, uh -huh. and then 11.30 to 12.30. Uh -huh. No word on what the lunch was. Then the submarine would demonstrate its capabilities and return to port by 2.30 for a cocktail reception the CEOs were scheduled to attend. Uh, and this is, this is what it's like working in the Navy? On a submarine, I yeah, guess. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. But when did they surface to wash the hole in cutoffs? <laughs> <laughs> every, I think it's like every two hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's, I think it's about every two hours Strip down boys, yeah. she's dirty <laughs> The CEOs are each given a pair of jorts And a, and a rag yeah. <laughs> And a boombox filled with uh, Just George uh, George, George Carlin say George, George Carlin tapes <laughs> George yeah. Carlin tapes That would be so weird and disturbing yeah. Imagine coming upon that scene at sea. Just a not massive nuclear sub covered in people blasting George Carlin tapes and cutoffs. <laughs> they're all at different points the in the tape yeah, and they're yeah, yeah. all at full yeah. volume. And they are they can't resubmerge. It's just burning. Yeah. They're like, help. <laughs> I'm a distinguished visitor. <laughs> uh so because <laughs> George Michael, stupid. I meant, you know. I know what you meant. I know what you from meant. From Wham. Yes. <laughs> Because they arrived at their demonstration location late, and lunch also ran long, as soon as lunch concluded, the crew reminded the captain that if they did not start their demonstration soon, they would be late returning the CEOs for their cocktail reception. Oh no. <laughs> God forbid. Yeah. 
At 1.10 p.m., the captain entered the control room to begin the demonstration, along with all the distinguished visitors. There it is. Mm -hmm. They had completed similar voyages so many times that the captain didn't think it was odd or problematic to have a number of civilians in and around the submarine controls, uh, but he was wrong. Okay. What's his name? Soddle? Waddle. Scattle? Waddle. 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 Scott Waddle. Yeah. Meanwhile, the Ahime Maru had departed Honolulu Harbor around noon on a fishing trip roughly 300 nautical miles south of Oahu. Traveling at 11 knots, the Ahime Maru arrived in the area where the Greenville was about to begin their demonstration. The crew in the Greenville's sonar room detected three ships in the area, two other shipping vessels and the Ahime Maru. Based on the sonar information, the fire control technician on duty, Patrick Seacrest, was responsible for determining the course, speed, and range of other vessels in the vicinity. At 12.58, just 13 minutes before the submarine's demonstration began, Seacrest identified the Ahime Maru as traveling away from the submarine's demonstration area. Uh, this was incorrect. Just before the demonstrations began, Seacrest, believing there were no ships in the way, stopped updating the contact evaluation plot. What's that? This is a paper display that plots ship data and is considered to be more labor-intensive compared to the digital readouts available in the control room. Okay. However, because some of the digital monitors were not functioning, this limited the amount of real-time information available to the crew regarding other vessels in the area. Okay. When asked why he chose to stop updating this display, he said that some of the distinguished visitor guests were blocking the area between his watch station and the CEP, making it difficult to consistently update. Oh my goodness. Get them to move. They're not allowed there. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. get these CEOs and <laughs> a sports journalist was between me and the vital There's information. There's no sports that are happening underwater. Why oh, is he there? What's he that's doing? That's not true. Free diving? What? Oh. Extreme You're water right. polo? You're right. Sorry. Before the demonstration began, they checked again for surface vessels and noted at least three in the vicinity, but, the, but believed them to be seven nautical miles away at the closest. Mm -hmm. Once again, incorrect. Okay. Starting at 1.15 p.m., the Greenville completed a series of quick but drastic maneuvers below the surface. They made multiple 35-degree turns and rose and dove repeatedly. Yay! Yeah, <laughs> again. Cool. I mean, that is it, right? I would like, love it's to like, be look, in there. Look I would at love this. to be in that sub. I mean, not later on. Yeah, no, but in this moment. It'd be, that sounds awesome. It's funny because 35 degrees feels... Not a lot. It, it's, but it's, yeah. you're in a tube underwater going fast, so I guess that's cool. Have you ever been in an Impressive. active submarine? In an active like submarine? Like an underwater submarine? I've looked at that derelict one next to the Queen Mary. That the Russian one? terrible. Looks like it's about to sink. Okay. I've seen that one. I've been in the Disneyland uh, submarine. Uh-huh. Does that count? Okay. Yeah. yeah, I don't see why yeah. not. I don't know. I don't think. I I've think ever... I've been inside why one. Why have you been in a sub? I didn't say I had. I was asking oh. if you. Had. I've seen a U-boat. <clears throat> I seen it. My own two eyes. No, that I, uh, one of the museums in Chicago has like the only captured U-boat or something. That's cool. It's massive. Well, a lot of them were just Forget uh, unearthed from the drought. Uh, in, in, the drought. In, yeah, just from a. An oh, they like drought, I think in Europe, yeah, yeah, whatever okay. river it was. Oh, yeah, yeah, A body yeah. of water yeah. that yeah. Uh, dried up. It revealed like, like so many. Like mm -hmm. I think purposefully scuttled. Yeah, uh, yeah I'm sure. Because yeah, yeah. um, we, we couldn't hit those those goddamn things. No, we would damage them, and then the Germans would be like, oh, "All right, let's just yeah, let's just get out of here." It's huge. It's yeah, enormous. I, I believe it. I don't I know why I thought a submarine would be that big. 
I mean, but I'm thinking it, in my that mind big. that it's not that big. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. I don't know why that's like a, a thing that I think. I don't know what caused that because you see them and you see a person standing on it. It's like that's a enormous vessel. I guess it's huge. Well, it's because it's you know out of sight, out of mind, right? They, yeah, that's it. <laughs> so why do I need to think about there a submarine yeah. when it's 950 to 1500 feet below the surface? Exactly. That's what I'm asking. Classified. Oh, okay, got it. <laughs> Going 600 miles per hour. <laughs> the captain personally directed and managed all of these maneuvers and later claimed in depositions that the guests, quote, were loving it. <laughs> but your honor, they were loving it. If I may, they were loving it. May I approach Consider the Consider that they were loving it, if you will. Your Honor, motion to state that the guests were actually loving it. Uh, there's only one problem. Since all of the distinguished visitors were in the control room, they began asking questions of the sonar operators, distracting them from keeping consistent track of contacts in the vicinity. I can't think of a single person who would be able to do their job better with a rich stranger behind them asking them how they do it and how their equipment works. I, I can't possibly, unless you were a tour guide, uh, I don't think that that jives with any job in existence. No, especially a job that's this roller coaster operator, accountant, yeah. Yeah, nuclear yeah, yeah. submarine sonar technician. It's all made worse by plumber. a CEO sitting behind you asking how things work. What's that? Yeah. It's What's that? With their wife. Anyone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Honey, now this young man was just telling me about something with sonar, it's called. It's called sonar. Uh, so as they concluded their demonstration around 1.30, they prepared for the final maneuver. An emergency deep dive, followed by an emergency main ballast blow. This requires the submarine to dive to at least 400 feet, at which point the emergency ballast blow uses pressure to force water out of the ship's ballast tanks as quickly as possible. Unfortunately, very cool oh, yeah, in concept. This brings the submarine to the surface in a matter of seconds. So fast, in fact, that the bow rises out of the water upon surfacing before leveling out. Whoa! Picture a killer whale or piacoon of the... The Tulkoon. Piacon. of the Tulkoon. You even asked me and then you said something. Exploding out of the water. Uh, you may remember. Onto the set ops. Uh, hydrofoil. Yes. Exactly. exactly yeah. Picture yeah. that. Prior to beginning the maneuver, the submarine is supposed to spend time at periscope depth to get visual confirmation that there are no vessels in the vicinity. As part of this safety precaution, the sub is also supposed to hold steady course for three minutes to allow instruments to calibrate for accurate readings. However... The captain gave orders to go to periscope depth after only 90 seconds of holding a steady course, meaning the instruments did not have time to recalibrate. Awesome. Way to go, Waddle. Once at periscope depth, they checked the monitors and sonar displays and reportedly saw no vessels within their immediate vicinity. However, because of the malfunctioning equipment that they did not repair and insufficient time to calibrate, it's possible these readings were incorrect. One of the other executive officers on the ship reviewed the screens as well, but did not communicate any changes. At 1.34, just as the submarine was entering periscope depth, sonar showed another contact. However, they were unable to obtain accurate range information because they had not maintained a steady course for long enough. They believed Ahime Maru was farther out, but in reality she was only 1.14 nautical miles away and closing in on the submarine's location. But, being a fishing vessel and not a warship, the Ahime Maru did not detect the submarine at all. Yeah, had it been a large so, fish, Completely maybe. insane that this happened, period. It's extremely upsetting. Like, uh, if you can tell what's about to happen from the context clues, yeah. buckle up, because that's exactly what happens. Like, this isn't in a 
dock where there's tons of boats around. This is in open water. This is open water. The yes. chances of this happening are like one in, I don't know, probably billions. Right? Probably a great deal probably of a couple numbers. Billions. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know the odds specifically. No, you're but simple. my gut. You're too simple. No, no, I'm just, I don't do STEM. I'm an artist. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of the lieutenants on board the submarine did an initial low-magnification periscope sweep and said they saw no sign of other ships. The captain took over and began to complete a high-magnification periscope search, but also requested the ship raise up a few feet to avoid the waves washing over the periscope and obscuring the view. The captain noted the morning haze was still present and looked in the direction he believed other vessels would be. Uh, he saw nothing. But again, they did not have an accurate bearing on the vessels. Regulations require a 3-minute, 360-degree periscope for safety. This was not completed. Still behind schedule, he searched primarily in the locations where they expected ships to be. While scanning the full 360, he informed the crew, I hold no visual contacts. Yeah, His it looks fine. <laughs> Can't see sh but it looks fine. <laughs> looking There's in fog the wrong and water everywhere. I need to do a high-magnitude periscope search looking in the wrong side of it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not getting any ships out of this. That's good. <laughs> Comes away with the like classic prank rings mm -hmm. on his eyes. Yeah, Looks fine to me, folks. I think the haze burned off. His testimony from the accident briefing regarding the periscope search is as follows. I panned to the right where I thought I would see the Ahime Maru. I looked over at the remote repeater and saw the numbers and thought that looks right. That's where the guy is. Didn't see him. Then went to low power and then turned to the right. I think the Ahime Maru was perhaps further to the right, and as I swept in low power, missed her. And that's the only explanation I can think of as to why I missed the vessel. Mm -hmm. At the same time, Seacrest was monitoring other sonar information. After hearing the captain say there were no visual contacts, he determined that the information he was reading was wrong. The Ahime Maru was indeed further away. He calculated the ship to be 9,000 yards away, and he was wrong. In reality, the Ahime Maru was directly to their right and closing in fast. Oh my god. <laughs> starboard. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. To their starboard. starboard. Yeah. Four, four letters, starboard, more letters. The Greenville completed the emergency dive to 400 feet at 1.40 p.m. At this point, the captain invited John Hall, the CEO of a Texas oil company, and Jack Clary, the sports writer, to operate the controls for the ballast blow. Oh my... I'm... It... <sighs> Okay, keep I mean, going. it's. Pro I'm sure everything is set up. They probably literally like they put. They probably push a button. Or Even something. still, but it's though, still very responsible funny. now. An oil CEO and sports writer are the ones who technically yeah, yeah, did yeah, this. Pushing those. Now let yeah. me get in here and push this. Excuse me. Uh, howdy, I'm this a humble. This isn't like driving steer. I'm a humble baseball writer, but I was wondering if I might Why be so that inclined the as Texas what? guy. I mean, I, don't make assumptions. The Texas oil guy could have like a New York accent. No. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> no. Since they were concentrating on instructing the civilians on how to execute the maneuver, they did not notice the warnings that a ship was directly above them. Again, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. open water mm -hmm. in the ocean, mm -hmm. which covers most of the earth, much of which is not covered in ships. That's true. That's true. Or filled with subs. In fact, most of the ocean has nothing on its surface, just water. Well, they're in the Pacific, so there's actually probably a higher likelihood of hitting the trash island than another yeah. ship. Yeah, yeah. At 1.42 p.m. and 25 seconds, very precise, mm -hmm. they executed the ballast blow. And less than a minute later, the submarine surfaced directly beneath the Ahime Maru. Oh, my God. What are the odds? Oh, my God. This like, is just... 
just insane and completely insane you can't even call it an accident because of everything happening on board the submarine it's technically an accident it's this is like biblical it's like somebody was screaming in their face there's a ship above you and they're Huh? Oh, I can't hear you. I gotta, gotta get go up. Jack Clary in here. Push the big red button so gotta we get can this blow our to a, ballast. Gotta get this guy to a cocktail hour. <laughs> the submarine's rudder sliced the hull of the ship from starboard to port. Holy crap. Oh my god. The students and crew aboard the ship heard a loud noise and felt two distinct impacts. Like going in and out. Probably. Probably. They watched as the submarine surfaced next to their ship and quickly realized what had happened. It's like in a movie when you hear a gunshot go off and no one is quite clear on what happened. And then it cuts to someone going, like holding. Oh, their, yeah, yeah, holding. Yeah. And then the blood starts. And just a brief moment of, okay, what happened? It's so fast. So fast. Like you're out in open water with your classmates and all of a sudden, in the blink of an eye, a nuclear submarine, a building-sized submarine, gone through has your ship yes. in the middle of your ship, yes. inside your ship. No, it surfaces next to it. It goes all the way through, but right? it cut it in half. Yeah yeah, 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 cut it in half. That's true. Um, the large gash left by the rudder of the submarine took on water extremely quickly. Within five seconds, the Ahime Maru lost power and began to sink. The rush of water into the hull caused the ship to stand almost vertical. It sank within five minutes. Oh my God! Just gone instantly. <sighs> Everyone aboard the Ahime Maru scrambled to abandon ship while the nearby submarine seemed oddly silent. Hmm. Five minutes after the crash, the submarine radioed a distress call for assistance. Ten minutes after, the Coast Guard was notified for search and rescue. The submarine maneuvered closer, and according to the crew, they wanted to attempt a rescue, but the seas were too rough to open the top hatches of the deck. Also, the Greenville was still low in the water due to the initial burst of the ballast blow. To raise to full height, it would take an additional 30 minutes. As the Ahime Maru sank, the survivors struggled through water while coated in diesel fuel from the sunken ship. A handful of them managed to climb onto life rafts, which had automatically deployed as the ship sank. I mean, that is definitely an amenity that is not seen on most of the ships <laughs> we cover on this show. This one being fairly yeah, recent. Yeah. Which I know, like, this one's an interesting one because, like, there's plenty of goofs because it is such a, a foolish mishap on the part of the, you know, the Navy and the captain yeah. and the people on board. Um, but fate. It, fate. Yeah. And just just circumstance. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but like it it really is just an awful. Uh, oh, yeah. It's awful terrible. situation. But it could have been worse. Yeah. Um, if it if it had happened really probably any time before this, like automatically yeah. deploying life drafts, not something we've seen before a lot on this show. But. Nuclear subs also not something we've seen much before. So. <laughs> yeah, raising from 400 feet below in a matter of minutes. Yeah. 40 minutes after the crash, a Coast Guard helicopter swept the scene, noting the survivors in rafts. Patrol boats arrived and began the rescue, but it was too late. Of the 35 people who had been aboard the Ahime Maru, only 26 were found. Nine were still missing, including four students, two teachers, and three crew members. It's believed they were in the ship's galley and engine rooms when the boat sank, and were quickly trapped by the water and unable to escape. The Greenville also suffered some largely cosmetic damage and was easily repaired following the investigation. Yeah, thanks to probably some, some, some money from a guilty oil yeah. uh, uh, executive. Basically, they buffed the, the paint out and were, went on with their Made day. it home in time no for issues. a third lunch. Yes. <laughs> as soon as the Coast Guard reported the incident, the details were relayed to Japanese Prime Minister Yoshiro More, who was playing golf at the time. Allegedly, he finished his game before taking any action. Which, huh. Eh, you know. Okay. What are you going to do? Yeah, I mean, I, again, after, not the first time after on this the season. Wall, I, 
Yeah, not it's the like, first time we covered fine. a head of state being absent. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, this tragedy. is also like it's a little different. It is a little different. It's a tragedy, definitely. but it's a little different. Also, he didn't have cargo on board the ship that was responsible well, for this. Well, maybe he was meeting with cult leaders. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> it's possible. It's entirely yeah. possible. Cult leaders and like the to same, play golf. Probably would have been the same cult too, but I don't know. I wonder I what his handicap is. Don't know anything about this. Mm. We can. I can get that info for okay, sure. cool. easily. Yeah. <laughs> Because the crash occurred off the coast of Oahu, it fell under the jurisdiction of the Coast Guard. They asked the captain to resign, but they did not charge him with any negligence or court-martial him. Additionally, because of the ongoing case, the captain was prevented from admitting any fault or apologizing to the families of victims. It's like cops holding rank. Like, it's just like, listen, I mean, what are we going to do? Legal stuff. Like, well, I mean, not charging him. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) This is widely perceived as a lack of remorse, him not speaking, because yeah. I'm sure the lawyers are saying don't, don't say, say anything. anything. Yeah. So, yeah, like, yeah, it was widely perceived as a lack of remorse and the U.S. not taking responsibility for the crash. Which, you know, if you've really kept tabs on anything the U.S. has done since basically the beginning, uh, you, I think, could be forgiven for making such an assumption. <laughs> the perceived lack of remorse? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, hang Not on, taking responsibility. Because you're about to eat your words. Oh, no, my words. Yep. Later that month, the U.S. did send an envoy to deliver an apology on behalf of President George W. Bush. But he didn't go. No, of course not. <laughs> Are you kidding? I'm going to send my best guys. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm He's a parade coming into town. I'm sorry. The court of inquiry regarding the case found that the captain of the Greenville had not taken positive action in response to the malfunctioning AVSDU, duh, but also noted that 70% of the watch stations were manned by substitute personnel, including one who was unqualified. Jesus. They claimed the accident was caused by a combination of individual negligence and irresponsible urgency to return for the cocktail reception. Which, honestly, like, thinking of a cocktail reception that is attended exclusively by the types of people that are part of the Distinguished Visitor Program mm-hmm. sounds like some of the worst vibes. <laughs> like, like it is not, not a party not I want to be at. Probably just, like... Vibes so bad that even the Hawaiian setting can't... No, can't do anything can't about be rectified it. Yeah, at all. Even it. being in like, if this had all gone well, being in a cool submarine yeah, and yeah. a beautiful island, the vibes were probably tanked. Yeah. Oh, easily. Yeah. But they, they had to rush back for that. Yeah. So that court of inquiry also found no criminal intent or deliberate misconduct. I mean, yeah, I, I agree with that. It was horribly negligent, but yeah. I don't think it wasn't intentional. The crew involved was either reassigned or honorably discharged, and the DVE program would continue without them. Mm. One would hope. Understandably, the relatives of the victims were upset. They felt there was no justice for the deaths of their loved ones. In June of 2001, they were able to recover and raise the Ehime Maru from the ocean floor, which allowed them to locate the remains of eight of the nine missing victims. Mm. The following year, the U.S. Navy paid the Ahime Prefecture government $11.47 million in compensation for the sinking of the vessel. Almost $9 million went to replace the ship, while the remaining $3 million was divided among the victims' families to pay for counseling and a memorial. $2.5 million, really, <laughs> at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. The following November, the Navy paid an additional $13.9 million in compensation to the families directly. Good. Two families settled for $2.6 million and required face-to-face apologies from the Navy and the captain. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Get them. The captain did eventually travel to Japan following the conclusion of the court case to make statements and pay respects at the memorial. Hmm. But guess what? 
What? The Greenville wasn't done yet. Oh, don't don't count her out. She yet. had more destruction in her. Really? Yeah, she has an evil heart. <laughs> uh, that nuclear yeah, yeah. That nuclear reactor that pounds in her center uh, is it's one of hate. What is the half life of, of darkness? Exactly. The same year, following okay. the collision, Greenville ran aground in Saipan, damaging the underside of the submarine and the rudder. The captain at the time was found guilty of hazarding a vessel. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay, and that's it? No. Okay. Yeah, there's another thing. Only five months after running aground. Oh my God. This is a cursed ship. This is an incredible run. Yeah. The submarine collided with the USS Ogden during a personnel transfer. The collision opened a five by 18 inch hole, roughly the size of a duffel bag, the kind that you'd maybe put in the trunk of your Prius before going to the gym. Along with many other things. It's Uh, got a lot of boot space. Sure. Uh, (laughs) 15 or five by 18 inch hole in the fuel tanks of the Ogden spilling thousands of gallons of fuel into the ocean off the coast of Oman. Okay, that how does it have such incredible aim in the worst places? Well, this, you're right, of course. But this one, they were meant to be next to each other, I think, because they were, it was a personnel transfer. But even still, to hit the fuel tank. Oh, yeah. And hit, yeah. Uh, make a hole and the size fi- of a duffel bag. Five That's by 18. That's not very big when no. you are a building-sized vessel. It's not very big at all. No. And the fact, it's just like, and it happens to hit the fuel tank. Yeah, it's like the it's like the um the rod on the end of the Civil War submarine. Yeah, the, just like the, bla- uh, the, the there was like explosives were supposed exactly, to go on the end. Yes. Such a funny idea. <laughs> Didn't like holding like a broomstick out in front. They all died, right? They all they died. Yeah, they couldn't it back like up fast 10 enough. Ten feet in front of them. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh yeah, yeah this will work. This is yeah. fine. This is a good. This is a good idea. Kyle, go back and listen to that. What someone's was it winning an upgrade. Uh, an upgrade. So, someone's getting promoted for this. <laughs> if they had lived. Yeah, unfortunately, they did not. They died badly underwater. Yeah, and the uh, that was the Hunley. With we think. The, <laughs> we with, hope. with the pinata stick out in front. Yeah, literally like a bayonet on the front that they would attach explosive material to, and then just poke a ship, and yeah, if, it would detonate like, and then fifteen would, feet away yeah. in the water. <laughs> If you are interested, like the blast in, would kill them instantly. Yeah. If you are interested in American submarine oh. exploits and you haven't listened to the backlog, highly, highly recommend you go yeah. listen to the Hunley because yeah. it is maybe a shining moment in the Confederacy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, they were trying uh, anything at that. They point. were throwing yeah. stuff yeah. at the wall, including submarines. Yeah. Um, and I think its only successful mission also killed the crew. Yeah. That was but a test, I think it killed think. the entire crew on multiple occasions, actually. Yes, but those were tests. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was named for one of the earliest victims in the testing. Yes. So the Greenville has undergone a handful of repairs and upgrades. The most recent was in 2011, and it remains commissioned and active to this day. Yeah, watch out. We patiently await uh, its next folly. Yeah, so if, if you're, you're out in open somewhere water... Somewhere in the middle of the ocean... <laughs> always keep one eye to the sea... Yeah. You never know <laughs> when the Greenville <laughs> might strike. When the moon is full and the waters rough and tumble. Uh, let me get a horn. Hazy nice. out today, folks. Nice. It's a hazy one, but don't worry. It'll Smooth. burn off. Yeah. Look, we didn't have time. We but had I, a lot to do today. We were so busy. So busy. Definitely not standing yet, around I still shooting the breeze. Still have an honorable mention. <laughs> we stay winning. Yeah. 
And it's it's really just I just want to talk to you about the time I went, about going deep sea fishing. I would love to hear about it because normally we get freshwater stories from you. So you're thinking, well, deep sea fishing, coast of California. You're thinking rubber lip perch. You're thinking spotfin croakers. <laughs> you're probably thinking about sargo or maybe even a halibut. Sargo. <laughs> what was the other one? Rubber lip. Rubber lip perch. <laughs> spotfin croaker. <laughs> that sounds like a. Like you're the principal. spot. You're the spot fin croaker, <laughs> and you're the rubber lip show. perch because that's probably explains why uh, you can't say no, no, no. Correctly that's today. not what I am. That's not what I am. What I am is the one fish I did manage to catch: the California scorpion fish. <laughs> 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 one of California's most poisonous <laughs> mammals. <laughs> not mammal, animal. It's not. A, it's not a mammal. It's a fish. It's in my it's nature. A fish. Uh, <laughs> You catch them and the, the, the fishing guy comes running over. He's like, don't touch that. Don't touch that. <laughs> you're it's very just, You're just swinging around. Yeah. Oh, oh. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> and I was single at the time, so you know I'm trying to kiss that thing for the photos, for the Tinder photos. The, you were trying to cast the, catch the rubber lips? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or you're making, <laughs> making them kiss. Yeah. Smashing them together. <laughs> And they told I'm me, sorry, I, it's just the, the confidence with which you said those names. <laughs> please, yeah, please continue. Like, you know what else we saw? <laughs> Bunch of dolphins. That's great. Yeah. Highly recommend a deep sea fishing trip. Well, I actually, I've gone. This is the I've laziest. Gone deep this is the worst laziest thing we've I said, ever we got to do an honorable mention of Patrick yeah. Swim. I went deep sea fishing once. Yeah. And I said, How's please that? write down bullet How's that, points. asshole? I was going to build on it. I went deep sea fishing in the Atlantic. Oh, yeah. We caught skates. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You've seen skates? I think so. Yeah. Well, wait until you hear that. about these. Okay. Yeah. It's like a kind of like a probably, probably like the cheap version of a stingray. Like they're much less cool. Yes. Yeah. I'm and they're like, weird and scary looking yeah, yeah, yeah. and they're bottom feeders. Yep. Um, but you can get a lot of them off New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't have time to look up funny animals, um, but I have seen uh, dolphins alongside uh, kayaks. Oh yeah, there was dolphins when I went deep sea fishing. You said that. It's. Do, <laughs> do you know what else one? Do you know what else one may see off the coast of New Jersey? Uh, is Dean Ween of Ween uh, leading fishing? He does fishing, <laughs> private fishing trips, with I th- believe Les Claypool of Primus. <laughs> No, that's that's is that an uh oh or a whoopsie? Neither. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm right. I didn't doubt you. You can go fishing. <laughs> you know what? Les Claypool might not have, of Primus may not have his own fishing company, but, but I believe Deaner. You can charter. You can charter Dean Ween. I think so. Yeah, to catch pretty some sure. skate. Yes, I'm pretty sure. Wow. Not a lot going on in that part of uh, Pennsylvania, I guess. It's not so. Pennsylvania. Well, he lives there, but I think the fishing company is oh, okay. New Jersey. Yeah, it's a two-hour drive to the coast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. I Maybe he's got a place there. Maybe he's in Ventnor. It might be in Ventnor. Could be Ventnor, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking probably Ventnor. Yeah. It's either Ventnor or Margate. Yeah, probably. I mean, he's, I, don't, he could, I don't think he's a Stone Harbor guy. No. Definitely not Sea Isle. No, no, no. There's Ocean City, though, which is too yeah, far Yeah, he down, seems you know? like... A, isn't that Maryland? There's two. Oh, okay. Which is the true? Uh, probably Maryland. Maryland? Yeah. Okay. And there's Long Beach Island. Yeah, obviously, there's Long Beach Island. Uh, I think Point Pleasant. Uh-huh. Uh, Atlantic City, naturally. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, okay. I'm, I'm running out. I'm running out of places. He's from New Hope. Oh, I know New Hope. Yeah, a lot of gay bikers there. Gay bikers. Yeah. Oh, okay. I did community theater in New Hope. I played one of the kittens of course in you the did. Aristocats. Of course you did. And I said Toulouse, <laughs> or maybe I was Toulouse. I think you were because you've told this story before. Mm. You not have on no, this, new, not you on have this no show. new tales to tell. <laughs> I have one. Hey, because I was a cat. Let's. Do you want to do your favorite part of the show? I want to first say that we should have people follow the show on the social okay. accounts we don't use. All right. <laughs> At Ship It's Pod on Twitter. Well, first we also have to say, I'm Patrick. We don't do that. We don't do that? No, we don't. I thought we did that at the end. <laughs> no, we don't. Keep we it. We say the other names and then we say our names. All right. Follow us. Thank you. Listen to the backlog. Tell your mom. I feel like we haven't really hit that in Please a while. Tell Please your moms. tell your mom. People are not telling their moms. And if, you know what? If that's not doable, tell someone else's mom. Yeah. Pull off someone on the street and say, do you have a son? You see. <laughs> do you have a girl? Do you, you have a child? see someone with a child <laughs> in the shopping mall. Yeah. In the, in the grocery store. You grab them. If you see someone kind of like loosely perusing the mall and you're like, you're an empty nester. Yeah. Do you have a podcast? Stay away. <laughs> Don't listen to shit piss the yeah. fan. Anyway, I'm going to do my favorite part of the show okay, right now. The show is written by Paige Wesley. It mm-hmm. is edited by Kelly Reynolds with yes, art is. by Stevie Jude. And I am coarse. <laughs> <laughs> and I am coarse. <laughs> show is hosted by Patrick Brown and Coarse McGrath. <laughs> Course Avery. <laughs> I am course. <laughs> okay, that's enough. May your bones bleach in the sands. Thank you, course. <laughs>